All right. Hello. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a special edition of the Tunnel Vision Sports Podcast. We've got the NFL roundtable with the NFL playoffs postseason getting ready to go. We've got the greatest NFL minds we've had at Tunnel Vision Sports ready for us to give you their hottest takes, their inside analysis, everything that's going on uh, as the postseason gets going here uh, in the great sport of professional football. Uh, with me, as always, I'll give you your introductions. With me, as always, the co-host of the Dylan and Dylan Show and the mastermind of this roundtable, Dylan Holt. Dylan, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic, especially like in terms of NFL. I don't think I could be doing any better. I, I've talked about it literally since July, how excited I was for this NFL season, being a Titans fan and everything coming into the season. And it really didn't go as we expected. But, oh, my God, it worked out because every injury in the world happened to the Titans. But, hey, I'm sure we'll talk about the Titans quite a bit. It worked out for us. I'm very excited to talk about not only the Titans, but the rest of the playoff field and everything that happened this season and all the fun that's happened in the world of football. Awesome. Awesome. Happy to be with you as always. We'll get into our other participants, uh, a changing cast, uh, a few new new faces here. If you've listened to the other roundtables, we're mixing in the other writers here today with us for the first time is Brandon McIntyre. Brandon, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Uh, you know, everyone says Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. For me, it's the NFL playoffs and, you know, that championship run. So I'm ready to get into it. You're just like a lot of uh, football fans out there where they, they're right in the same boat with you, Brandon. Happy to have you with us today. Out in uh, Green Bay is Christopher Long. Christopher, how are you doing today? Doing good. Doing great and everything. It's like I said, like he, I think Brandon said it all when it's the wonderful time of the year at the playoffs. And uh, especially around here in Wisconsin, people are pumped. For, I mean, just We've seen it before the past three years, so we hope we're not seeing like the last three years. Yeah, we got a bunch of different fan bases in here, some in the playoffs and some not, but uh, happy to get into all of the stuff surrounding that. We'll be getting into the playoff stuff as well as the coaching changes, so uh, everyone will get their fill in. Uh, we've also got Jake Serrano here with us for the first time. Jake, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Just excited to talk football and uh, sad once again, the Jets, Jets didn't make it in. That's the New York market for you, but you got to live with it. Hey, as a Lions fan, I'm right here with you. We'll be talking all the, the fun stuff surrounding the coaching changes and everything else surrounding NFL. So uh, don't don't be don't be down on yourself too much. And then we've got Blake Beasley joining us, rounding out our, our panel uh, multiple time, uh, multiple time uh, contributor for the roundtable. Blake, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm really excited for this NFL one, especially after this past weekend. I can't even imagine how anyone would be super jazzed up on football right now. And I'm excited to talk about it. Excited to have you all along with us, and we're excited to get into it. And I'm going to jump right into it. Uh, we have talked about some of the greatest performances from this year. A lot of the guys that we we've talked about, we've projected throughout the years if you, you're a fantasy football fan drafting guys and like that but some guys jump off the page and, and do things that we're not expecting them to do so I'll throw it to Dylan Holt for the first question Dylan who are your biggest surprise players and your biggest surprise teams from the NFL season uh, after the regular season is finally wrapped up 
My biggest surprise, the first, like the team and the player go, go hand in hand. It's Jamar Chase and the Cincinnati Bengals. I was lucky enough to watch them in person week one against the Minnesota Vikings. And as the game went on, I was like, okay, this team, they, they, they got something about them. They got a swagger. You got the Burrow Chase connection going. Chase caught his first touchdown week one. I, I'm pretty sure Patrick Peterson was covering him, which was like, holy cow, that's a legend. And Jamar Chase is doing this already. Uh, it was really, really impressive. And they just did it all season. And I think the where it really came to a head was a few weeks ago when they played the Chiefs and Jamar. It just seems like every time I checked Twitter, it was like, yeah, Jamar's got another touchdown. Uh, the, the Bengals are somehow beating them. And then they did. And they won the AFC North and they're in the party. They're, they're going to play the Raiders, who are another one of my surprise teams. With all the things that have surrounded the Raiders this year, I just could not believe they were even in the playoff race a few weeks ago. And then here we are now and they're going to be playing the Cincinnati Bengals. Who would I, I would have never thought if you would have told me in August, yeah, opening up the playoffs, we'll have the Bengals and Raiders. I would have been like, you are a liar and I do not trust you. Like, that's not going to happen. I, it just blows my mind. And then my other biggest surprise player, it, it has to be um, Jonathan Taylor with what he did. I, I knew he was good and getting to watch him being an AFC South guy. I knew he was good, but I really think he took it to another level. And a lot of Titan fans hate hearing that, but he, he's really, really good. And he, he deserves all the all the flowers he's gotten this season. Yeah, absolutely. All of those guys uh, are in my notes, but uh, especially Jamar Chase in the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll probably get into him with the with the um, the awards later in the show, but uh, absolutely all of those guys definitely uh, on my notes uh, of the biggest surprises. I'll throw it to Brandon. What do you think? Uh, who are your biggest surprises teams and player wise? So piggybacking off what Mr. Holt said about uh, Jamar Chase, if you go back to the preseason, he was having drop problems and there was all these stories coming out like, Oh, Jamar's going to be a bust. They should have took Panay Sewell. And then if you remember, he didn't play his senior year of college. So I think the preseason was just kind of, you know, knocking some rust off, and then he goes out and proves all the doubters and haters wrong and has a rookie rec rookie record season and all that other stuff. Um, another surprise player that I think can't be overlooked is uh, Cordero Patterson and what he was able to do with the Falcons this year. And, you know, as a receiver turned running back, you know, he was even listed at safety at some point in the season, for crying out loud. So I think Cordero – Patterson is another player that um, was a real big surprise this year, especially for fantasy people. He was, I think, averaging like 15 points a game or something. So that was a steal. And then for a surprise team, um, not, not really a surprise. They were still good. But Tennessee and what they were able to do without Derrick Henry is quite incredible. Um, you know, Derrick Henry goes down and everyone wrote the Titans off. Oh, are they going to make the playoffs? They're going to miss the playoffs. And Mike Vrabel, who should be a coach of the year candidate with what he was able to do with that Tennessee team um, to get the Titans to the one seed without King Henry, you know, that's, that's incredible. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what the Titans were able to do week in and week out, you, you were kind of waiting for the bottom to fall out on that team and it just never did. Now possibly getting Derrick Henry back. We don't know at what strength he'll be back, but that Titans team looks scarier and scarier. And, and Dylan Holt loves to hear that every time. Uh, I'll throw it to Christopher Long. Dylan, or Christopher, uh, what do you think about the biggest surprises uh, team-wise and player-wise in the NFL regular season? Player-wise, and go, I'm following the consensus, Jamar Chase, he's a fish, I'm officially a fan of his. 
Like he made my Packers look bad with that one catch. You know the catch. The it's one of the catches of the year. He, I mean, uh, I'm missing the quarterback's name right now. I can't. I'm forgetting the name. But uh, he's tosses it right to Jamar Chase, and we it looks like one of my defenders are going to come up and pick him off, but. To no avail, Jamar Chase catches it and goes straight to the touchdown. It was something out of this. But otherwise, so enough saying of his praises. I'm going to go. One of the players that I'm really surprised with is Todd Huntley from the Ravens. And how, again, he it was like a clone of Lamar Jackson out there. He He can run. He can throw. He can make the connections. He can do all that. And he was a good answer as a he's a great backup. And I honestly think that in the future, he's going to be a starter somewhere else. Like they, he's, they got trade. I believe they got trade currency out of with him to do that. But uh, the team that I'm probably surprised about the most to make it to the playoffs. And that's shocked me is the San Francisco 49ers with how they've turned it around from how bad they weren't doing well in the beginning of the season and literally clawing back to get into the playoffs with that fight against the Rams that I thought the Rams had that game, but they clawed their way. Debo Samuel is uh, just a monster and Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think he's, I don't know if he, this is going to be his last season or not, but I think he's going to try to go out on a high note to get as far into the playoffs as he possibly can. Yeah, I think Tyler Huntley is definitely going to be like the mold of what a backup quarterback is going to look like for the rest of you know the future. You're going to need a guy that that, that can kind of do both. He's not going to he's not going to fill the role of the starter, but he's going to be able to uh, provide you know something different. That you know, obviously, he's the more like Lamar Jackson, but I think a lot of guys in, in the future are going to look like Tyler Huntley uh, coming out in the, of the backup roles. Jake, what did you think about the biggest surprises uh, team-wise and player-wise in the NFL this year? Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with everyone um, on the sense of uh, so far with the surprise players and teams. Uh, with the 49ers, I, I would say we kind of saw it coming with the NFC West, uh, all, except for Seattle. Uh, you know, they dropped off at the end, unfortunate with Russell Wilson and all the problems they had this year. Um, but, you know, going with the 49ers, my surprise player, Debo Samuel uh, this year. You know, last year, you know, he's kind of a hard-nosed player. You know, you work in a system with Shanahan and you have the hard-nosed running game and you're relied on a lot to block as a receiver. He broke out this year, eight rushing touchdowns this year. And not only did he do that, he did it 14, over 1,400 yards, uh, receiving yards this year. He really became basically the number one guy and held up while Kittle was out. Uh, so he was my one of my biggest surprise players of the year. And then uh, for surprise teams, the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, I have to give credit where credit's due, especially where I live. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't like saying it, but um, you know, it's got to be the Eagles. You, you fire Doug Peterson. You guys went, they went to a Super Bowl a couple years ago, the Eagles, and they came back after a horrible year last year, traded Wentz, brought in Jalen Hurts, the second year, uh, second year quarterback, second round pick, and uh, turned it around. Not a lot of people, and when I talk to Eagles fans over the offseason, really believed in Jalen Hurts. They said, oh, well, you know, we'll give him a chance. But at the end of the season, three first-round picks next season, everyone thought this was going to be a rebuild year, and look what happened. Wild card year, and I think they're the biggest surprise of them all. 
Yeah, the Eagles, you've touched, you guys have touched on two of my three. I had obviously J- Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow down, but the Eagles were my second one. Me and Dylan, when we did our uh, preseason power rankings, had the Eagles way down near the bottom. I think in our first group of five, when we were uh, revealing the bottom 30 or so teams of the, of the league, but it, the Eagles definitely uh, exceeded a lot of people's expectations, including me on Dylan's coming into the year. Uh, and I'll throw it to Blake, a, a perfect segue on that. Blake, your biggest surprise teams, your biggest surprise players of this year. Uh, well, I'll go into the team first because I'm not glad, Jake. I'm really glad you said that. I had preseason the Eagles going 10 and 7. That was completely biased there, 100%. But the Eagles at one point were 2 and 5, and Eagles fans had to sit and listen about Jalen Hurts being in trade talks for Deshaun Watson and possibly trying to get Russell Wilson over there. Nick Sirianni was in the same conversation as Urban Meyer about the worst tires in the entire year. And now we're talking about the Eagles playing in a week, last week of the year game, where they literally got to rest majority of their starters because they were in such a good position. I mean, the entire fan base had constantly been bullying Sirianni and all the members of the Eagles about how we need to run the ball. And now the Eagles are leading the league in uh, rushing yards. I thought it was a great year overall for them, especially if it can end with a playoff appearance and three first-round picks. It was an absolute steal. In terms of biggest surprise players, I'm going Cooper Cup just because I knew Cooper Cup was good at football. We all knew Cooper Cup was good at football. I didn't think Cooper Cup would historically have one of the best seasons in NFL history. He's the fourth player in league history to lead the league in receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns. Second most receiving yards in a season, barely missing out on Calvin Johnson's record. He was nothing short of amazing. And if I have to go to a player on a defensive end, Trayvon Diggs, I mean, he was the first player to get 11 interceptions in a season in over 40 years. Diggs had more interceptions than the entire Eagles, Packers, and Steelers. And as a result, the Cowboys led the NFL in points off turnovers and are in the playoffs when last year we thought Dallas's defense was suspect. So both of those guys and teams really surprised me. Yeah, yeah, you bring up great points with all of those. A uh, couple, couple of things that I thought uh, were overlooked. I thought Jalen Waddell's breakout season was was amazing, and that was one of my – uh surprise players i think uh you know just the rookie wide receivers in general the the, the way that they've broken down the past few years I, I i kind of saw it coming with justin jefferson last year did not see it with jamar chase and jalen waddle this year um and then uh and then the the browns the way that they've struggled i think more of a negative kind of surprise team uh i've I think me and Dylan both had them up near the top 10, if not in the top 10 to start the year uh, and then just fell off. And it really wasn't anything other than, you know, Baker really struggled and Baker, and, you know, whether that injury was a big part of it or not, we, we don't really know the, the full extent of that yet. We'll probably hear more about that as the off season goes on, but uh, for a team with such high hopes, we're going to have to see what happens in Cleveland. Now uh, we'll move on Uh the, eight, the 18th week of the NFL season just wrapped up. It's the first time we've ever had that format, and it's just a, a good time to reflect how you guys feel about it. I'll throw it to Blake to start off. Uh, what did you feel about the new 18th-week uh, season in the NFL? In the offseason, I honestly didn't like the idea at all because I was worried that by the time week 18 hit, a lot of my favorite players wouldn't be playing anymore. And while injuries have happened, I feel like a lot of it has been more due to COVID, but at the end of the day, It was an extra week of football, and that extra week of football was amazing. We got to see great games like the Chargers, Raiders, Steelers, Ravens, or games that we didn't even think would matter, like Jaguars, Colts going into that. I thought they had no chance. 
that's an extra game on the schedule, even though it's a division game and the Colts really, I mean, they choked, but the Jaguars kept them out of the playoffs. And a lot of these records getting pushed, it's just better for more exciting football. And I think the players should try to negotiate, maybe get some extra pay out of this. But regardless, I, I'm really in favor of the idea. Yeah, I think it shows even with the COVID stuff, and obviously that's a that's been a problem within all sports at this point uh, in the year. But uh, even with the COVID stuff and some of the teams that got ravaged with injuries and stuff like that, you know, you give a you give football fans an extra week of football, and people are really not going to complain. Uh, throw it to Jake now. Uh, what did you feel about the eighteen week season? Was it a good idea or a bad idea? Yeah, last year going into it when the I, when the plan came out, I was pretty neutral on it, and. Uh, you know, going into it now, having an extra week of football is great. And like Blake said, you know, you're always worried about injuries at the end of the season. I don't really think it took a toll on it that much. It might have helped with COVID a little bit because you had an extra game. What I thought was the best thing that came out of the 18-week schedule is that now you have more chances to be an eight or nine win team, which led to one of the craziest scenarios I've I've ever seen in football history just going down to the last game. The Jaguars had to be the Colts. It happened. The Steelers won. And then a tie had to happen for both of those teams to go. It was just one of the wildest scenarios. But now it just seems like either you lose or you win. There's no 8-8 eight and eight unless you're 8-8-1. Eight, eight and one. Uh, But there's no really 500 straight up anymore. So it's either you win or you lose. And I think it makes it pretty dynamic going into the playoffs, especially with an extra playoff seed they added uh, last year or two years ago. Yeah, that tie scenario at the end of that game last week, I, I don't think there could have been anything better from the NFL from a PR scenario in terms of that 18-week season than having a, a situation like that where uh, you know fans are literally turning in to see two teams tie. I, I, that, it's a once-in-a-lifetime type of thing, but maybe maybe somewhat type of the norm uh, as things go forward with the NFL playoffs, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, Christopher, what did you think about the 18-week season? Uh, how did it go in your mind? Uh, I'm torn a little bit still. I, I get it. A lot of it was to booster more football, more everything, and that I love more football. But, uh, again, the injury thing still bugs me. I love the fact that there's, uh, again, no eight and eight teams. It definitely gets a clear cut picture of who should be in the playoffs and who sh- shouldn't be. But I feel injury wise and a lot of personnel just added more than wasting time, than getting into the actual playoffs, cutting this time off to get it to the actual playoffs. I feel is a little just. I don't know, because January, anything can happen. This is a month where anything can happen for temperature-wise and everything for players that are actually playing outside and such. I think that it, I'm still torn. I, I think you give me another season, I might give you an actual distinct answer on what that what that is. So. Yeah, and our two franchises, the Packers and the Lions, played one of those meaningless games in Week 18 that, uh, you know, Put, put a lot of your players in jeopardy for the playoffs while really it really didn't mean anything for the Lions fans. So it's well, not apart from that, the, the fact that there it produces meaningless games too is a problem that I kind of have. Like, I don't want, like, as much as great as the Packers were doing this year, I didn't want them to play in a meaningless game at all. I would like to have a game where everything is on the line as well. So that's purely my stance. Again, give me another season, it might change. 
Yeah, and it created that for for some teams, and then it created those more meaningless games for, you know, like they said, like the Packers and the Lions did. Uh, Brandon, what did you think? The 18-week season was a good idea or a bad idea looking back now? So as a spectator, I mean, who doesn't love football? So an extra week of football, you know, as a spectator, I'm going to enjoy that. Um, And then without that 18th week, who knows? Maybe we don't have the scenarios that we did, you know, the Jags – or the Jags beating the Colts so the Steelers get in because they win or the Chargers and Raiders they tie and they both get in maybe we don't have those scenarios with that 18 weeks so I think it adds another element and you know shout out to the NFL for you know implementing a salary cap we had some really good football this year you never knew who was going to win going into a week and I mean still to this day even though you have those one seeds you we really still don't know who is going to win because teams are so evenly matched and anyone can beat anyone on any, any given Sunday. Yeah. That's the great part about NFL football. It's, it's any given Sunday, any team can, can really outperform anyone. So, you know, yeah. Add that extra week. It, it is one of those, like as a spectator, you can't really, you can't really miss in that scenario. Uh, Dylan, what did you think the 18 week season was a good idea or bad idea in your eyes? I think it's sick as a fan. Like, I love it. Like, just being able to, like, sit back and watch football, especially, like, as a Titans fan, getting to watch the Titans clinch the AFC South week 18. I mean, it was against the Texans, but, I mean, it was still a good game. Got to watch 97-year-old Danny Amendola put up, like, 200 yards and two touchdowns. That was cool. Um, but, yeah, like, everyone's talking about the coolest scenarios. I don't know. I, I think the end of NFL season is always fun, no matter what, because we get the playoff scenarios. I mean, we saw week 17 this year was incredible. I mean, literally like one of the best weeks of football like all year with all the things that happened. And then week 18, obviously awesome. I, I'm really jealous because I fell asleep during Sunday night football. So I didn't get to witness uh, live the Raiders Chargers drama. I, I woke up like three in the morning and I was like, oh my God, it, it should have happened. I saw like all the videos of like Austin Eckler being like, what you guys were going to do? I, I, I re- I'm really jealous that I missed out on that because that, that's awesome. But as far as if I was a player, I would hate it. I think it sucks. It it prevents so many uh, chances for people to get hurt. I mean, we just saw today the Rams had to pick up Eric Weddle because they had an injury. I mean, that I, Eric Weddle, I just mentioned Danny Amendola. I feel like Eric Weddle's in the same realm as him. I, that's an old guy, and now he's going to be starting for a playoff team. I That sucks, but it also gives guys a chance to get healthy. So I don't know. I'm very much I, – I don't know. But for me, I love it. So yeah, I'll leave it at that. There's an alternate timeline somewhere where the, the Chargers didn't call that timeout. The Raiders took that knee and, and they they tied. And we're we're all talking about how the greatest tie in NFL history happened. But uh, we'll move on. Uh, we'll move on to looking back on the NFL season uh, as a whole. Uh, award some of the individual awards. Me and Dylan have done this throughout the season, about midway point, gave out some of our individual awards. Uh, a lot of them are probably going to look a little similar to those uh, to those guys because a lot of those guys have been dominant from week one on. Uh, I'll start with Brandon McIntyre this time. I'll throw it to you for your awards. I, I've got written down coach of the year, rookie offensive player, rookie of the year for the offense and defense. Offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, and MVP. So we'll start with coach and then go on down from there. Uh, who are your award winners? So for so we're just going to go like one award and then we'll go through and then another award? Yeah, yeah, go for it. So for coach of the year, um, there's, there's quite a few coaches that I think are well-deserving of um, 
the accomplishments that they did this season. I think Mike Vrabel with what he was able to do with Tennessee without Derrick Henry, um, that's going to continue to come up. Um, Bill Belichick with what he was able to do with a rookie quarterback in that team, you know, Bill Belichick's always in coach of the year runnings. Um, Nick Sirianni with the Eagles, everyone was writing them off at the beginning of the season and they're sitting in the playoffs. Zach Taylor, who in the beginning of the season with the Bengals, you know, everyone was like, oh, Zach Taylor's on the hot seat. He's going to lose his job. And then the Bengals go out and do this. They win the division. And so I think there's there's quite a few coaches that are well-deserving of that award. For me personally, I would probably have to give it to Mike Vrabel. I think that's that's very accomplishing of what he did. You know, losing your your best player, probably one of the most dominant offensive players in the league, and you still go and beat the Rams, who at the time were an NFC favorite without, you know, your best player and to continue to win and then get the one seed without your best player. That's that's incredible. So for me, Mike Vrabel is coach of the year. All right. Throwing it to Blake now. Who is your coach of the year? I'm going to piggyback off of what he said to me. It has to be Mike Vrabel, not just the Derrick Henry injury, but also I remember seeing photos at the beginning of the year where they were talking about, oh, the Tennessee Titans big three, which included A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. Julio Jones ended up not having the year we thought he would, and he also missed seven games. A.J. Brown missed four games as well, and then you have Derrick Henry missing nine games, which is just massive. The Titans had 91 players this year, franchise record, play on the team, and yet they still were able to maintain the number one seed in what has been one of the best AFC groups I've seen in a long time. You have players like Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, and a lot of high-level guys missing the playoffs. And throughout all that, Mike Grable and no offense to Ryan Tannehill, get the one seed without Derrick Henry. And with AJ and Julio being missing, I think that's nothing short of impressive. And he deserves the award. Two votes for Mike Grable thus far. We'll throw it to Dylan. Maybe make it three. Yeah, it's going to be three. <laughs> I, I really want to find a way in my brain to argue for Nick Sirianni because I think he's done an amazing job with a team that had no expectations. But I have to go with Mike Grable. I like as I said coming into the season, I had so many expectations by Tennessee Titans, and it was very well warranted. And this is a team that Vrabel's been building for four years, and he's got the superstars in every position. And we came in, literally just dropped the ball week one and got destroyed by the Cardinals. And they're like, you know what? We really don't give a damn. And they suited back up. They they went out, they won, I think it was like four or five in a row, and then all the injuries started happening, and they were like, We still don't care. And they, they suited up every day. 91 players wore a Titans uniform in a football game this year. That is absurd. It would have been that way with 17 weeks or 18 weeks. I like, it doesn't matter. They're the one seed. The, they beat like seven playoff teams. Like no one's ever done that. And they, they weren't like the actual team. It was the practice squad half the time. I mean, Donta Foreman was out there looking like a superstar half the time. I mean, the stuff Rabel was able to do with like pennies compared to nickels before I, it's crazy. It has to be variable. But Sirianni deserves his flowers. Yeah, this feels like uh, I've been talking about. It. This feels like Vrabel's, like, you know, Kirby Smart had his year to beat Saban. This is Vrabel's year to beat Belichick and then go on and do the thing. He already did it. He did it a couple <laughs> years ago. We're not worried about Belichick. Uh, I will throw it to Jake, uh, who is your coach of the year. So when doing this the other day on my notes, I actually had written down and I kept this in the back of my mind before the show. So not it has nothing to do with what has just been said. But I wrote down Sirianni and I wrote down Taylor. 
And I said to myself, uh, you know, it's just, there's no way it's going to be Sirianni because it's just based purely off of results. And I think the Bengals had a better season. And then I sat back and said to myself, you know, Zach Taylor, not really the sexiest name out there. And I said, you know what? And I got to be honest, it's, it's Mike Rabel. And, and I sat back today and really thought hard about it. And just coming into the season with such high expectations and then going through a roller coaster that the Tennessee Titans did, and not only losing Derrick Henry, Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, and countless, countless numbers of players, you just got to hand it to them for sticking with it and sneakingly getting the number one seed in the AFC, beating out both the Chiefs, the Patriots, who had a really good season, and the Buffalo Bills, who had really high expectations coming this season among you know, other teams, but it's, it's gotta be Vrabel. It, it's just, to me, I really thought hard about it and it's kind of cemented now. Jake makes it four for four. Chris, will you make it five for five? You're all going to make me the skip Bayless of this place. Aren't you? Uh, no, no, it's not, I'm not going to make it a clean sleep. Uh, you're forgetting about a one coach and I get, yeah, I get it where I am, who I am makes it completely biased, but Matt LaFleur, you took on the undefeated Cardinals with a banged up Packers and just not destroyed them, but beat them. You had been dealing with all the crap that Aaron Rodgers has been dealing with all off season. Let's be fair. Had to deal with injuries. Every team deals with injuries, but uh, then still were able to wrap up the number one seed on week 17 and just be able to maintain Adonis for the third straight year in a row, 13 wins in three years, the most six win, literally the most winning coach of all time, beat out George Stafford from the San Francisco 49ers. I think that alone is a hell of an accomplishment. That's my vote. Sorry, guys. I know you're all for the Titans coach, but not me. Hey, I'm going to actually piggyback off of that. I, my vote was for Matt LaFleur as well, and, and it's simply for this reason. Uh, the fact that Devontae Adams still is getting open and then single coverage is is a testament for to what Matt LaFleur and that offensive game plan does. It's ridiculous to watch him still get in single coverage when it's been talked about year after year after year. He's the best wide receiver. He gets the best releases off the line. And it's not because teams don't know that it's because they diagram him so well, they move him around the offense so well. And he just, he's just open. You watch that pack. You watch that Packers offense play. He's open all the time. And that's just, that's a testament to Matt LaFleur. Uh, and I've talked a lot about this Packers team. I think they it's a team of destiny this year. Uh, and I think Matt LaFleur is a big part of that. So I'll give my vote to Matt LaFleur. We'll move on to the play or the rookies of the year, offensive and defensive. Uh, I'll throw it to Dylan to start. What do you think about for rookie offense? Do both of the rookies of the year. So offensive and defensive rookies of the year. Yeah, I'm sticking with my midseason picks. It's Jamar Chase and Micah Parsons. I, I think everything I said about them, whatever, however many weeks ago it was, 10 weeks, eight weeks, nine weeks, I don't know. It's been X amount of weeks that we we uh, praised them that I'm they didn't look like rookies. I know that's like what people like to say when rookies look good, but they didn't look like rookies. Jamar Chase looked generational. Parsons looked really really good. I mean, I I don't think there's I'll, I'll let you guys delve deeper because I imagine you guys are gonna be talking about Jamar Chase and Michael Parsons. I'll throw it to Jake. Jake, what do you think about rookie of the year, offensive and defensive? Can I just piggyback on coach of the year really quick? Of course. 
so just real quick, just defending Mike Rabel and all our four boats here. Uh, the only thing I would say about the Packers is, and the only reason I would give Matt LaFleur a vote is dealing with all the crap he had to deal with Aaron Rodgers this offseason. Granted, they did have high expectations coming this season. They are a historic franchise called the Green Bay Packers. The only thing that's holding me back is how much of it is Aaron Rodgers doing all the heavy lifting. You know, we said, sat back and said with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, they had those conversations, blah, 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 blah. But how much of it is really Aaron Rodgers? Because when Jordan Love came into that game against the Kansas City Chiefs, didn't look like the Green Bay Packers to me. That's the only thing I just wanted to say about that. But uh, I, I will go. But when Jordan Love came in against the Detroit Lions, he looked granted, a, a lot like Jordan Love and not like Aaron Rodgers. Looked a lot like the Lions to me. It's the Lions. They, they, they don't <laughs> like I just, wanted, just wanted to defend our point. But on top of on top of rookie of the year, I had I had Micah Parsons down as defensive rookie of the year and Jamar Chase as a, you know the offensive player offensive rookie of the year. I think both of those guys are very deserving uh, of the the awards. If I had to just pick one guy's rookie of the year, it'd probably be Parsons. Just the the the, the, the dynamic he changed on the Cowboys defense and how 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 it changed from last year to this year, just being a horrible defense last year and becoming that guy who can play pass defense, who can drop down and rush the passer. He had 13 sacks this season, which was like six most, in, six most in the league. He can cover, tackle, rush the passer. He can do everything. And the Giants wish they would have drafted that guy. Yeah, uh, we talked about Michael Parsons at the midpoint uh, when we did our midpoint uh, awards. Uh, we probably should have seen this coming with Micah Parsons when we saw that that combine numbers. We also like how gaudy those numbers were. And then he still slipped to the middle of the first round. And it's like... Uh, we, we probably should have seen it coming with Micah Parsons. Uh, I'll throw it to Brandon McIntyre. What do you think about uh, rookie rookie of the year offensive and defensive? So offensively, I mean, you got to go with Jamar Chase. I think there's an argument for Mac Jones and everything he's done as a rookie, but Jamar Chase has just had an incredible rookie season. I mean, he, he broke records as a rookie wide receiver, even with all the turmoil he faced in the preseason, you know, the rust and all the drops and everything. And then defensively, um, uh, it's clearly Micah Parsons. He's in conversation for defensive player of the year, which is incredible for a rookie. And he's already being, as a rookie, I mean, no no, uh, no shot to, towards Lawrence Taylor or anything, but he's already being compared to Lawrence Taylor, who's one of the most dominant defensive players in NFL history. And another thing with Micah Parsons, he can, in a 4-3 scheme, he can play any of the linebacker spots. He can cover, he can tackle, and then he can put his hand in the dirt and rush the passer. So he's he's definitely a, a diamond in the rough for sure. We got a, pretty much a consensus looking like the Vrabel, uh, Vrabel situation all over again. I'll throw it to Blake. What do you feel uh, for rookie of the year, offensive and defensive? I hate to make it to continue the consensus, but I got to. I mean, with Jamar Chase, I don't even know what more there is to say. He broke the rookie receiving yards in a season, set the franchise record for single-season receiving yards, absolutely torched the Chiefs. The only thing I'll say about him is it's the West Coast time. At 10-15, I saw Jamar Chase had like a 60-yard touchdown, and I was like, man, why is he still in single coverage? I turn on the game at 115. I see the Bengals going down the field, just giving the ball to Jamar Chase every single time. In single coverage again, he's at that point. You have to double team him. In terms of Micah Parsons, I wish I would have saw this coming earlier with that 4-3-9 at the 40. That's just ridiculous. And the biggest thing with Micah, like we said, about playing every spot on the field, 
374 snaps at D-line, 498 at linebacker, 29 at corner. So you have a 6'3", 245 corner, and one at safety. He goes everywhere for Dallas. They go as far as he goes. And he's not only – both of these guys aren't only the recent, like, rookie of the years, in my opinion. They're some of the best rookies I've seen in my life. So it's them for sure. All right, rounding it out with Chris, what do you think, rookie of the year, offensive and defensive? <sighs> The consensus continues. It will continue. Like <laughs> I'm going to say what I'm going to say now is about both these guys. These are the guys that people are going to be the mold of what rookies should be like you putting up these outstanding numbers, Jamar chase, you know, Michael Parsons, they are incredible. There's no doubt in that. And it's them or no one in my book. And I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah, and it's been said before, but that LSU offense is just thinking back on it. It's so dumb to think that they had Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase on the outside and Joe Burrow throwing to him. Just doesn't make sense. Uh, offensive and we'll, we'll stick offensive player of the year uh, strictly. Uh, I'll start with Chris on this one. What do you think about for offensive player of the year? Um, I'd say Mac Jones, maybe. I just. Maybe because uh, – oh, no, I think Jonathan Taylor. Sorry, Jonathan Taylor. I think he's a solid choice. I th- just – he took that Colts team. He was the reason he was get- they were getting those wins. And Carson Wentz, he was doing okay throughout the season, but it, Jonathan Taylor through a lot of those games was taking the, pulling those guys on his back and just taking it to the end zone, especially with a lot of the breakout plays that you'd see him do. It was something wonderful to watch. He's my offensive player of the year. Jonathan Taylor, very deserving offensive player of the year. Blake, what do you think offensive player of the year was? I want to say Cooper Cup, but I also do love Jonathan Taylor just because I would be, I wouldn't be surprised if it went either way. I mean, you already heard what I had to say about Cooper Cup, so I'll talk about Jonathan Taylor here. And it's just the fact that I love guys where you can see their team goes as far as they go. The Colts were 8-0, I think, when Jonathan Taylor had over 100 rushing yards, and then they were um, 0-8 when they didn't. So it goes pretty much that simple. He goes as far as they go. And the fact of the matter is you have a second-year guy where everybody knows what the Colts are doing, they know how they're scheming, and they still can't stop him. So that's the most that's offensive player of the year. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor, a dude out of Wisconsin, so overlooked because of his size, and he's just cut down his weight and become more athletic. And he's just the all of a sudden the prototypical NFL back, and you love those types of stories. Uh, Jake, I'll throw it to you. Offensive player of the year, what are you thinking? Yeah, so I I don't mean to be the devil on the show, but um, you know. If, if it weren't for quarterbacks always winning the MVP, I'd put Cooper Cup as the MVP. Now, granted, really good player. And thinking back to the 2012 Calvin Johnson season, which was amazing, Cooper Cup annihilated that season in every regard this year. So the fact that – let me just – let's just go through. He leads the league right now in receptions, yards, and touchdowns, okay? And I wrote down, too, why wouldn't it have been – because between offensive player of the year was either Taylor or Cup for me. And I said to myself, why wouldn't it have been Taylor? So I really was trying to find reasons for it. And I went back to the Jaguars game where he wasn't really used that much. And they really lost the game because they weren't running the ball. Then I looked back at the games that they lost. Four of the last five games, he had 65 yards or less. And all of those games, they lost. Offensive player of the year, you had to be game in and game out. 
He's the reason, yeah, after over 100 yards, they were winning games, but he was solely the reason they were losing games because he was not producing. You got to be consistent if you want to be Offensive Player of the Year. Cooper Cup was consistent game in and game out, and it's got coming from a new quarterback from Matthew Stafford throwing the ball. It's got to be Cooper Cup. You never have a seat. Having a season like that as a receiver, and I get it, the NFL is, is geared towards that nowadays, and I, I understand, you know, running running backs are kind of falling out in a sense, but we haven't seen a, a, a receiving season like this in maybe a decade. So, and granted, that's how the rules are geared towards. So, uh, uh, it's Cooper Cup for sure. Yeah, uh, a lot of my friends are not going to be are going to be a bit surprised hearing me say this, but I do have to give Matthew Stafford his flowers a little bit because you talk you talk about the two seasons that, that compare to each other. You know, Calvin Johnson and Cooper Cup. Matthew Stafford is the, the combining link between the two of them, and I, he's gotten a lot of flack for the way that he's finished out this season, but. Uh, you got to give him his flowers a little bit for what he's done throughout both of those two seasons because record-breaking seasons, obviously, Cooper Cup very deserving as well. Uh, but give Matthew Stafford his credit. He's done a lot for that Rams team as well, and I think the Rams are, are a very dangerous team moving forward. Uh, I'll throw it to Brandon, Offensive Player of the Year. What do you think? Yeah, so, I mean, it can go either way. Taylor or Cup, they both had historical seasons. Um, we've seen 2,000-yard rushers before with Derrick Henry. So I'm going to go with the Cooper Cup side of it. And he was the first triple crown winner since 2005. And that was Steve Smith. That was 16 years ago. No one's, no one's led the league in receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns since 2005. So I think that in itself is just a great argument for Offensive Player of the Year. So I'm going to go with Cooper Cup. All right. We got a 2-2 split right now, and we're throwing it to Dylan Holt for the tiebreaker rate. I really want to be a menace and say just someone really random and just like give it to Ryan Tannehill. Um, I'm going to stick with my midseason pick. I'm going to go with Cooper Cup. I think the season he had, he deserves MVP. I, I really believe that. But the NFL is so against non-quarterbacks winning that award. Because like Derrick Henry was the most valuable player in the NFL last year. And I will argue with anyone until the sun explodes that Derrick Henry was the most valuable player in the NFL last season. And Cooper Cup was the same way this year. The year he had, the numbers make no sense. I look at it and I'm like, I, I, I can't comprehend that a player was able to do that. I get we had an extra week and everything, but still, it's insane the stuff he was able to do. It, it blows my mind, and it really it came out of nowhere because we knew Cooper Cup was good. We didn't know he was that good, and he, he, it's been a theme throughout the show. He deserves his flowers. He deserves Offensive Player of the Year. Yeah, and I will piggyback off of that. I could tie it if I wanted to. I'll throw my vote on Cooper Cup as well. And I, I alluded to it, you know, you compare the seasons of Calvin Johnson and Cooper Cup. There's a big difference between when you look at Calvin Johnson and Cooper Cup. Calvin Johnson was one of the biggest freak wide receivers of all time. I mean, the size and the athleticism, the things that he had, uh, it made sense that he was going to be one of the most dominant wide receivers and have those things. Like you all said, none of us saw this coming from Cooper Cup. And for him to have just as dominant of a season that he's had, I think he's well than more, more than deserving of having that Offensive Player of the Year uh, award at the end of the year. Uh, we'll move on to Defensive Player of the Year. I'll start with Brandon McIntyre this time. What do you think, Brandon, Defensive Player of the Year-wise? So I think Defensive Player of the Year is uh, T.J. Watt. What he was able to do, 22 and a half sacks, and he missed – I think it was, what, five five games, something like that, and he still tied the record. So I, I think T.J. Watt is undoubtedly a defensive 
player of the year. And he willed his team into the playoffs, if you want to argue that, too. Yeah, TJ Watt, some stupid numbers coming out of Pittsburgh for sure. I'll throw it to Blake next, Defensive Player of the Year. What are you thinking? I'm going to piggyback off of that. I got to go TJ Watt, 22 and a half sacks to tie Michael Strahan's record. Only played 15 games, led the league in tackles and tackles for loss. Hit the quarterback 39 times and put the Steelers in a playoff position that they honestly might have not deserved to be in without him. He's just been amazing this year, and it's got to be T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt goes two for two. Chris, what are you thinking, defensive player of the year? I'm not breaking it this time, T.J. Watt. Like, although I could argue he didn't will himself into the playoffs, the Steelers into the playoffs. I think uh, the Raiders and the Chargers had a little something to say about that. But uh, T.J. Watt is probably the reason they are in the playoffs for sure. So uh, just the sacks, he's an absolute animal. He's all part of that Watt family. And although J.J. Watt has declined significantly during the past few years, but uh, I think T.J. Watt's defensive player of the year. Yeah, T.J. Watt, three for three. Dylan, what do you think? T.J. Watt, four for four? Man, I really wanted to stick with my midseason picks, but I, I had to go look because I couldn't remember who I picked. And boy, oh boy, what a stinker of a pick. I picked Miles Garrett, midseason defensive player of the year. I guess he's got a shot, but it's TJ Watts award. And I he's gonna walk away with it. The Titans played the Steelers a few weeks ago, and that was really the only Steelers game I watched all year. And it was like, do not go anywhere near number 90. If you see that yellow sleeve, get away. Like you want no part of it. I mean, the guy's just a tear. He's a watt. And he, it's another white winner defensive player of the year. Uh, five for, or four for four. Yeah. So Jake, can we make it five for five on TJ Watt? Yeah, we're going to make it. Uh, it's just clear cut, you know, everything everybody said with him tying the sacks and all that. What really stuck out to me, and I'll say it real quick, was watching the Browns Steelers game, Big Ben's, you know, supposed last game at Heinz Field. He got in the head of Baker Mayfield all night, knocking down his passes. And you could see that just on one of the plays where he knocked down his pass, just looked at him, and Baker was just so shook. Uh, he's that kind of player on defense, and he, he's very deserving of the award. Yeah, and I'll make it six for six. And uh, and although my vote went for Cooper Cup for Offensive Player of the Year, could you imagine Jonathan Taylor wins Offensive Player of the Year? Cooper, er, Jonathan Taylor wins Offensive Player of the Year. T.J. Watt wins Defensive Player of the Year. Both Player of the Year awards go to former Wisconsin Badgers all of a sudden. That's – Something I never even thought of would even be possible at this point. Uh, we'll throw it to the MVP award, the main award, the prestigious award. Uh, I'll start with Blake on this one. Who do you think is the league's MVP this year? I got to go Aaron Rodgers without question. I mean, if you look at it going into the season, it was a big offseason for them. There's obviously a lot of controversy surrounding him. So what does he do? He steps out and loses to the Saints, I think, 38-3. to three. And then everyone starts piling in on him, questioning him. Oh, he made a big deal for no reason. And then he goes on after that and wins seven straight games. The last game in which he won was against Arizona, a game without Alan Lazard, a game without Devontae Adams. And Aaron Rodgers just goes in a primetime game and beats the undefeated Cardinals. I mean, that was just an amazing run in itself. And then if you look at his numbers again, 4,000 passing yards, 37 touchdowns, only four interceptions. He's the clear-cut leader of that team. The Packers are who I think are the best team in the NFL right now, and I think they're there because of Aaron Rodgers. 
Aaron Rodgers definitely in the running there. And I'm glad you brought up that first that first game. We talked about that on the Dylan and Dylan show. And I've been very outspoken. I thought this this Packers team was going to have a 30 for 30 made on this team because of just everything that surrounded the offseason, everything that's happened during the season and how good I thought they were going to be. And doesn't that first game feel like the first scene in a 30 for 30 where everything's supposed to go right for this Packers team? They just get blitzed by a lesser Saints team. And then all of a sudden they just they just pick it all up, even with all of the all season distractions. I think uh, I maybe I've talked myself into it, but maybe I, but I think that's just how it's going to go. Uh, Brandon McIntyre, what do you think MVP of the league this year? Yeah, so I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers as well. You know, to go into Arizona when the Cardinals were the only unbeaten team at the time in prime time, you're without your number one receiver, and you you beat the only unbeaten team in their home. That's, that's pretty incredible. And then he's had what 37 touchdowns to only four interceptions. I mean, that's, that's pretty efficient. And he's got his team sitting at the one seed, even with all the turmoil in the preseason. But I think it's very clear cut uh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers goes two for two in the first two votes. Uh, Chris Long, what do you think? And you think Aaron Rodgers is the MVP or are you thinking someone else? Uh, there's uh, two ways I can go about it. Aaron hasn't had Aaron Rodgers hasn't had the numbers that he had last year, but nonetheless, they're nothing less spectacular. But if you're going by numbers, he's probably not. But from the actions of on the field and what he did, again, facing the Cardinals, you know, facing against a broke with a broken toe, where some people who get a, a thumb, I go looking at you, Jay Cutler, can't even uh, play a game where we got, you know, he's playing with, you know, a broken bone. And regardless of whatever controversy and everything, that's not what's at stake. It's all about on-field play. Aaron Rodgers, I think, is the MVP. If not him, it would be Tom Brady. But if you don't want to vote for either of them, go Jonathan taylor i I like giving it to a non-quarterback but uh i just don't think the nfl is ever going to do that it's the way that they are around uh jake what do you think in mvp uh do you think aaron Rodgers, tom brady or are you going somewhere else yeah so it's going to be a quarterback and i don't know if anybody could fact check me on this but i don't know if anybody's ever won mvp twice in a row consecutive years and was it peyton manning okay I think Favre. I, just, I think Favre won three in a row. I could be wrong. Was, did he? Three, oh, okay. Six, seven, ninety-eight. Brett Favre. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. All right. Well, I, well, I went a different direction in this. I, I chose Tom Brady, uh, MVP of the league, um, just purely, you know, his stats out, out, outweigh everybody. But when you look at Tom, and I guess, I guess, coming from a Jets fan, I kind of glorify Tom Brady a little bit. But he's forty-four years old. And, uh, you know, he took to the Bucs their first division title since 2007. And, uh, you know, I saw a report somewhere. I'm not sure how true it was, but that Aaron Rodgers off the field stuff might come into a factor, which it shouldn't. But, uh, you know, his arrogance and stuff like that might come into a factor into his MVP voting, which I don't really think it should. It's just come on, onto the field. He's having he had an amazing season. But just based purely off of that, I I just went with Tom Brady, just a gut feeling. And, uh, you know, it's just it's just Tom Brady. He's the GOAT. So it was just kind of hard for me not to pick him. Yeah, I, I'll piggyback off that in a second, but I'll throw it to Dylan Holt real quickly to, to round out you guys. What do you think, MVP-wise? Oh, it's Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. I didn't know Patrick was also his middle name. 
I, I didn't know that. He has many nicknames. Uh, the Pharaoh is one of them. I didn't know that. That's a fun one. But, I mean, 5,300 yards and 43 touchdowns. That's stupid. And I was like – I was sitting there. I was like, were the Buccaneers just like a lot worse than the Packers? The same record. It's Tom Brady. I. It's Tom Brady. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's Tom Brady. And he, he had 300 more yards than Justin Herbert, who finished second in yards. And he had two more touchdowns than Stafford, which who finished second. I mean, numbers-wise, it, it's Brady. And, and, and the fact that he's doing it at 44 years old, I think it's just – give all the credit to Aaron Rodgers. And I've believe me, I've sung the praises of Aaron Rodgers and that Green Bay Packers team all year this year. Uh, but what Tom Brady's done is just stupid. And it, it shouldn't be able be possible at 44 years old for, for a man to be doing what he's doing. So uh, got to be Tom. Uh, we'll move on. I'll, I'll, this seems like a good point, too. Before we get into the playoffs, uh, all of the coaching drama that's been surrounding the NFL thus far, uh, just in these past couple of days, uh, whether it be the Miami Dolphins, the New York Giants, all around the league, coaching news is popping up wherever you look. Uh, I'll just throw it out as a general question. What has been your reactions to all the coaching news? What is your biggest outlook on the coaching the, the coaching news? And uh, who do you think are the biggest candidates uh, to take some of these jobs? Uh, I'll throw it to Dylan first. What in the world are the Miami Dolphins doing? I, I saw a tweet right before we started it was like the dolphins, the, a dolphin's brain is like much larger than a human's. They have a much uh, better uh, chance of like learning algebra than you or I. And someone said, then why did they fire Brian Flores? They're obviously not very smart. And I was like, yeah, exactly. Those idiots just let Brian Flores slip through their fingers. I, I don't think anyone with half a brain's like, oh yeah, Brian Flores, that's a bad coach. Like he obviously had things rolling with the dolphins team that like, isn't that great. Like, they, they did a lot of good things this year after starting very poorly. They went on that great winning streak. It's a shame the Titans had to end it, but, I mean, things had to happen. It happens. The Dolphins aren't there. The Titans are. Um, I, there's just so much potential with a young squad in Miami, and they're like, ah, we're going to screw it up. And that's just what bad franchises do over and over and over again. And it's so frustrating, especially as someone that's followed the Titans for a while. They were in that cycle for a while. Hopefully they're out. And just seeing teams do that, it's it's really frustrating. And the Dolphins are the ones that really inspired me to be like, hey, let's talk about this, because I don't understand it. They seem like they're right there in a tough division. I don't know who they'll go after. It should be Eric Bieniemy. I This is what we talked about last year. It, Eric Bieniemy should be the first person everyone calls, but who knows? I There's so many good jobs. The Dolphins is a good job. The Giants is an awesome job that just opened up. The Raiders, we talked about that last week on the Dylan and Dylan Show. That's a sick job. I, there's so many good jobs. The Bears is open. The Chicago market, oh, my gosh. It's going to be a fun offseason. I'm really excited to see what happens. But whoever gets that Miami job, I think they're really walking into something special. And they could they could get something going quick. But they also have to deal with the management. So good luck. Yeah, the, the Dolphins move to fire Flores felt so much like the Lions firing Jim Caldwell. It, it was so – it felt just as a Lions fan, it's like don't do it to yourselves. Don't do it because the, the, the other door – doesn't isn't necessarily better uh i'll throw it to brandon mcintyre just the coaching news in general what have you thought about all of the craziness surrounding the nfl so kind of the piggyback off the brian flores thing um from what i've seen what i've heard i think their firing was more to do that flores didn't truly want to commit to tua and he wanted to bring in watson so i think that was more the 
the turmoil there. And that's why he lost the job, you know, still very surprising because the Dolphins did have success under him. But I think that's more the situation there. But um, Eric Bieniemy, who knows where he's going to go? If you're Eric Bieniemy, what quarterback do you want to mold into your next Patrick Mahomes? Is it Tua? Is it Fields? Is it Lawrence? Like, is it, you know, where do you want to go if you're Eric Bieniemy? And then um, shout out goes out to the Giants for Dave Gettleman retiring and then Joe Judge getting fired. You know, maybe the Giants turn it around, you know, such a historic franchise. Maybe they start drafting better. Maybe they actually get this draft right and draft two linemen and, you know, kind of protect Daniel Jones. You know, what do you do with that situation? But um, so there, it's going to be very fun with this coaching carousel that we're about to get underway. Yeah, the Giants. Uh, I, am I like crazy to did they say they were going to keep Joe Judge like three or four days ago and then all of a sudden fired him anyway a couple days later? I, 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 that just seems like such a Giants move to me. Uh, but at least they're doing something there. I, I, I give them that credit at least. Uh, I'll throw it to Jake. Uh, what did you think with all the coaching moves, uh, everything that's been happening so far? If you live in the market I live in, you know for a fact that the entire state, both states, actually the tri-state area, even if you're not a Giants fan, wanted Joe Judge fired immediately, and it took forever. And yesterday was like a glory day for all fans, even though I'm not a Giants fan. It was just insane. Uh, but, uh, you know, Flores was surprising to me. I heard things that, you know, he didn't want to draft Tua. He wanted to draft Justin Herbert. So there was like a power struggle there in Miami. Um, but, you know, on top of like coaching candidates, I haven't heard much about Eric Bieniemy. I know who he is and I've heard of him out in past seasons. Obviously, I'm saying I haven't heard teams ask about him at all. Um, Brian Leftwich seems like a name from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jim Harbaugh is a name that's floating around out there. Um, there's a lot of guys floating out there right now. Why am I forgetting the, oh, Jack Del Rio. I, I hope maybe he can get back to a head coaching job one day. Brian Flores is going to get a job. And uh, there's another guy that just blanked me for a reason, but uh, I had him. Oh, Josh McDaniels. That's who it is. I, I want to see if he'll get a job. You know, he turned down the Colts job a few years ago and I'm interested to see if he's going to get another one. The Broncos are open again. Maybe he'll head back, but, uh, yeah, I want to see if Josh McDaniels can get a job. It's been a long time coming for him. I think he's due for a comeback, but does he really want to leave the Patriots is the real question. Yeah. And Josh McDaniels, there was that brief moment. He took the Colts job and then all of a sudden went back to new England. I think at some point he will take that, that head coaching job. Uh, it's just a matter of which one it'll be and what's the right scenario. And I think there's like Dylan said, there's a ton of good jobs out there this time, this time around. And, you brought up Jim Harbaugh as a Michigan fan. I'm hoping he he stays at Michigan, but I, I can't blame him at this point. There's so many prime professional professional jobs right now. I can't blame him for at least looking and seeing what's out there because like we said, Miami, uh, Las Vegas, there, there's a lot of good places you could land right now. If you're a coach looking for a job, uh, Blake, what do you think coaching wise, all the, all the news. I mean, I was to echo off what everyone said. I was really shocked about Brian Flores um, in terms of coaches who I think could get a job this offseason and definitely would deserve one. Eric Bieniemy for sure. That's been a long time coming. Brian DeBall last year was one of the hottest names that everybody was mentioning in terms of getting a job. He decided he wanted to stay in Buffalo, get a Super Bowl done. You may not see that could be the case this year. And then his mind could change and he could want to go somewhere else. And then one of my former coaches for the Eagles, at least, Doug Peterson. I mean, the guy won a Super Bowl, uh, what was it, like four years ago and made the playoffs for two other years. So he should still be in the conversation, at least to get some looks. 
And in terms of a really good job that no one's mentioned yet, I think is I would love to be the coach of the Minnesota Vikings. If you look back at it, the Vikings lost nine games. Eight of them were by one possession or less or by eight points or less. A lot of those times, if you have a better coach in that scenario, as opposed to Mike Zimmer, you could have some victories there and you have a young town like Justin Jefferson to build off of. Minnesota would be a really good job to find. Yeah, I, I like Minnesota. I just think it's, you know, how what's your ceiling with Kirk Cousins? And I think that's that's going to draw some coaches away from that job, especially with the a job like Las Vegas on the market with Derek Carr. And there's some there's some prime quarterbacks out there, you know, even the Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence. I know that's a seems like a dumpster fire, but you you get the right coach in that scenario and all of a sudden you've got Trevor Lawrence there and you've got a, you've got a good scenario. So, I like what you're saying about the Vikings. I just Kirk Cousins scares me. I've, I've watched Kirk Cousins in that division for so long, and he just, uh, you know, at some point the bottom's going to fall out on that guy. Uh, Chris, what do you think about co- all the coaching changes, all the coaching news? Brian Flores was that definitely the main surprise. Uh, Nagy with the Chicago Bears was definitely expected. There's chance of it all through Soldier Stadium all year long uh, just because – and nothing to do with Justin Fields or anything like that. I think just the plays that were going on. And well, first of all, like making the deal to get Andy Dalton in the off season 10 for $10 million for one season, he must have like the greatest agent of all time and really sold Nagy and them on a bag of goods because it's Andy Dalton who is responsible for an Owen 16 season with the Bengals. So getting that out of the way, getting that off my chest that I've been, popped up for a year. Uh, Mike Zimmer was definitely a big surprise for me because I always thought he had the answer against our division. Like Dylan, you know what I'm talking about? He's dangerous with a dangerous defensive mind and he's probably going to have another job. And I could actually see him going to the Raiders, Brian Flores, maybe coming to Minnesota or Chicago, trying to see what's going on there. That's my take on those. Yeah, I think the unfortunate thing with Mike Zimmer is he just kind of reached the ceiling of what the Vikings can be. And and until that franchise decides they're going to spend a little bit more money and invest in a quarterback that's not Kirk Cousins, then I I just don't know what the ceiling can, if it can never be higher for the Vikings. And I I hope it, I hope it can be uh, because, you know, there's, there's teams I would love to see that, that could do well. I think the Vikings are right up there with them, but uh, you know, that, some things need to be happen, and I don't think it's necessarily coaching wise. It might be organizational wise in that in that situation. Uh, we're going to move on to the playoff stuff. Uh, just in general, what are you guys looking out for? And then you can wrap up with our predictions. Uh, give you give us your NFC winner. Give us your AFC winner, and then uh, predict who's going to win the Super Bowl. I'll start with Jake with this one. Uh, overall predictions for the playoffs: who to look out for, and then NFC winner, AFC winner, and your Super Bowl champion. Yeah, so I actually made a couple decisions on this. You know, I had two dark horses for each, NFC and, and the AFC. I think the Bengals are going to be a sneaky team, and the 49ers are going to be a sneaky team. Don't be surprised if they beat Dallas, because I won't be. They beat the Rams twice this season. Don't forget that. And uh, they beat the Bengals, too, the 49ers. So the only really thing is, is, is Jimmy G can get it done. He got it done against the Rams last week. Uh, the Bengals are... I really think they're just a younger version of the Chiefs. They got a lot of young players, Jamar Chase, Higgins, Boyd, Joe Burrow, Mixon, you name it. It's just the offensive line, once again, is another question. Most sacked team in the NFL. Uh, so that's going to be something to watch out for. I have, I did a little predictor. 
I have the Titans making it all the way to the end, beating out a couple teams. If the Titans are healthy, if they're fully healthy, they got the three-headed monster back there. They got the, the um, foreman back there at running back too. That they can split carries with Henry now. Uh, I think they're they're probably one of the most dominant teams. Don't forget they beat. I'm pretty sure they beat the Bills and they beat the Chiefs this year. So don't forget that. And the Packers too. It's it's you know another question about them is going to be health. Can Aaron Rodgers make it all the way? I think he's determined. Just kind of seems like a storybook season for them. And uh, you know I think it's going to be two number one seeds going at it. And as much as I want to pick the Titans to win in that prediction, it just seems like to me that it's Aaron Rodgers season and he's just going to go through it till the end. So I had the Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers taking it all the way to the end, two teams with home field advantages. As long as they both stay healthy, I think they're the two best teams in the playoffs and they're going to be real dangerous. Yeah. I, I'm going to piggyback off a lot of what you said there, because I think the Packers are that storybook team. The Titans have been one of the best teams in the AFC. I think if they're healthy, uh, they've got to be the favorites in the AFC. Uh, I'll save my Super Bowl prediction for the end though. I'll throw it to Blake. What do you think in playoff wise, overall predictions, and then your, your league winners and the Super Bowl champ. My two dark horses would be for, um, from the AFC and the NFC for the AFC I got to go Bill Belichick and the Patriots. I don't necessarily know if they're going to beat the Bills, but if when I was looking at a lot of those bottom seeds and those matchups, I mean, Bill Belichick is the co uh, he's the GOAT in terms of coaching, in my opinion. 72 percentage win in the playoffs. And also something to look at is Josh Allen doesn't play well in cold weather games. It's shown as of lately. He has a 50% completion rating, 163 yards, six touchdowns to seven when it gets a little cold down there. And we know how the Patriots and Bill Belichick can thrive in that type of system. For the NFC, I would love to say the Eagles. I can't. Tom Brady's the GOAT. So I would just have to go with the San Francisco 49ers as well. I think when they're playing really good football, they're really hard to beat. And I don't like the Dallas Cowboys at all. So in terms of teams going to the Super Bowl, I got the Titans going. They've won four of their last five games. And when you have a guy like Derrick Henry returning, your ceiling is literally unlimited is unlimited and then in terms of the Packers I got them going to the Super Bowl and I have them beating the Titans the Packers are getting hot at the right time even though they've been hot all year but for the first time I was hesitant to have them over the Bucks just because the history of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers being in the playoffs but this is the first time where I can look at that defense and say he has a legitimate defense behind him Zadarius Smith is coming back Jair Alexander just came back Alan Lazard is actually a legitimate target now. And A.J. Dillon is a good second back to have with Aaron Jones. The Packers just look like the best team in football. And I think Aaron Rodgers is finally going to get his chance to ride off in the sunset, win the Super Bowl, and then tell Green Bay peace. Uh, it would make a perfect ending for my 30 for 30. And it would just make it that much sweeter if the, my prediction came true. But I'll throw it to Chris. What do you think for overall playoff predictions, what you're looking for, and then your league winners and your Super Bowl champ? Uh, as a Packer fan, I've seen this story three times, well, twice before 13 wins and going to the number one seed and then NFC championship and sad, 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 but, uh, dark horse, I'd have to say, I want it to be the Eagles. I'd like to see, because for some weird reason, Tom Brady, I'm going back to the saints game where, oh, where they were shut out by nine points against the saints and i feel it's a po at buccaneer stadium i feel it may be a possibility again but i feel also feel that's maybe drinks in even though i'm not drinking <laughs> but uh i think san francisco is probably a definite dark horse for the nfc 
Bengals, I think they're my dark horse. I think they're going to make a nice deep run, at least get to AFC Championship. And I really do. I think Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, and I think they, especially how they've played that that Kansas City game, how smart they were with a little bit of luck with the flags. I think you get a little bit of that, you're going to get up to the AFC Championship. My predictions, I'm not going to steer away. I think Titans and Packers taking both Titans taking the AFC Packers taking the NFC. If they don't face the Buccaneers, because we've also seen this where what the heck goes on, even though it doesn't matter if it's at Lambeau field or whatever, but otherwise Packers going to the Super Bowl, Packers winning it. But also so on that note, I also feel that, the only way Rodgers is staying in Green Bay is a Super Bowl win, nothing less. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to stay even with the Super Bowl win, but we will see. I definitely think it's going to make it a lot harder for him to walk away with a Super Bowl ring, but we will see how that all plays out if that uh, happens to play out that way. Brandon McIntyre, what do you think? NFC, AFC, uh, Super Bowl champs. So when you think of playoffs, you – for me, I think of two things, thing, a team that can run the ball well and a team that can stop the ball well. You're in, you're in January, February football. It's going to get cold. You're going to have to run the ball. Who? And then you think of which teams can do that. The Eagles can run the ball well, and they can also stop the run. The 49ers, the Patriots, and the Titans. And then you have Tampa Bay and Green Bay. They're, they're pretty average, but the, those other four teams are pretty dominant at both running and stopping the run. So for me, um, I say that, and then my AFC, the AFC team I have in the Super Bowl is Kansas City. You know, they started the season, you know, two and three or whatever it was. Everyone writes them off. Oh, Mahomes is going to have a down year. So how much of a storybook ending would that be? You know, everyone wrote us off at the beginning of the season. Now we're here in the big game. And then for the NFC, I think the championship game, now nah, everyone's going to hate me for this, but how much of a storyline would it be if Mike McCarthy heads to Lambeau to take on the Packers? How much of a storyline would that be? I still think Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur are going to get the better of that matchup if it does happen, but I have Kansas City and Green Bay in the championship game, and I think Rodgers' uh, second ring that's been so elusive is going to continue to be elusive as the Chiefs get the Super Bowl. Yeah, and you bring that up. Dallas is weirdly my dark horse in the NFC because I just feel like everyone's saying, well, it's it's Dallas, it's the playoffs, they're not going to make it. And, and really they've had such an up-and-down season with the way that their injuries have gone, COVID's gone, but you get that team at full strength. Dallas has shown that they're very, very good. And I think uh, at some point Zeke's going to snap out of whatever has been the funk that he's been in, and I, I think why not during the playoffs. Uh, Dylan Holt, I'll let you wrap it up. Predictions for the playoffs overall, NFC, AFC, and Super Bowl champs. So if I was an NFC team, I would want nothing to do with the San Francisco 49ers. I, I really like that team, and I, I've thought that for a couple weeks now. And I really started to pay attention to them before they played the Titans. I'm like This team's got that groove, that, that Kyle Shanahan groove. It seems to be back. They, they're getting healthy. They've got one of my favorite players in the world, Jawan Jennings, playing receiver. He kind of had a breakout game last weekend against the Rams and got that win to get in the playoffs. I, I would not want to play that team. They, they have so much experience. They played in the Super Bowl two years ago, which I think people forget that team's got a, just a ton of experience. I don't know that they're going to make a lot of noise, but I think they could. I, I think that's that dichotomy. Um, 
As far as the AFC, I think it's Cincinnati. Cincinnati terrifies me as a Titans fan. I like I've seen the Titans beat the uh, Chiefs and Bills, and they're like the two big dogs. I if we play the Patriots, I have full faith the Titans can handle the Patriots. The Steelers, same way. The and the Raiders, I think the Titans would handle the Raiders. I God bless the Raiders for having to play Cincinnati. I think I, I think Cincinnati's gonna put on a show. That that team, if they come out firing all guns, that's a scary team. I don't think anyone wants anything to do with Cincinnati. The the thing that's gonna hurt them is they don't have experience in these situations, and that that's gonna kill them in these playoffs probably. But I say that to get to my predictions. NFC, I, it's gonna be Tampa Bay. I I've praised Tom Brady. I've been a Tom Brady hater my entire life. That man has made me a truther. I, I believe in him. I think they're, they've got rid of the distractions with Antonio Brown. They're going to put their head down. They're going to be in TB12 mode for the next month or whatever, and they're going to get back to the Super Bowl. And I got to do it. I got to pick the Titans out of the AFC. I think they're getting healthy. Derrick Henry's going to be back. You're going to have a healthy Derrick Henry against a bunch of tired defenders, and God bless the people trying to tackle him. If he's if he's 100%, that's going to be tough. And I the Titans, with all their weapons getting healthy, that and that defense is slept on. I mean, they, they shut down Patrick Mahomes earlier in the season. That's not an easy thing to do. And if they can replicate that in the uh, postseason, they're going to be in the Super Bowl. And as much as I would love to say the Titans beat Tom Brady, I, Tom Brady gets another ring. I I just don't see it any, any other way. It's a boring answer, but it's Tom Brady. He's going to get another ring. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I just think it's, it's the Packers' year. I, I just think this is the year Aaron gets past Tom Brady. He gets past everyone, and he gets past the Titans in, in the in the championship in the Super Bowl, and they, they get that championship ring. Uh, and and he rides off in the sunset, and we figure out what happens with Aaron Rodgers in the future. But I think this is the the Packers' year to finally get that ring, and it's almost just a middle finger to the organization up in uh, Lambeau for or up in Green Bay for for drafting Jordan Love in the first place and being like, look. You could have had maybe four or five more of these, but you'll, you'll take your one and you'll you'll be happy with it. Uh, any final thoughts before we go, guys? All right. Oh, Jake. I have, yeah, I had one. Only thing I'll say about the um, the playoffs is you know inexperience, like Dylan said. And the only problem I have with the Cowboys and the Chiefs is the Cowboys the last couple of weeks of this season, and I don't want it to be overlooked. But they played Washington and they played the Eagles, lost to the Cardinals, and they blew out both Washington and the Eagles backups. So don't forget that. And the Chiefs, they've been up and down all year. It just hasn't felt like the same team. Tyreek Hill hasn't felt the same towards the end of the season. You know, they've had a lot of problems. And some of these games, they haven't been scoring like they used to, 20 points or under. I think against the Broncos, they scored like 15 points. And against the Titans early in the season, I granted it was early in the season, like three points. It's just... I think the Titans are going to be too much to handle. And, you know, I did say it was going to be the Packers taking it all, which I still feel, but don't be surprised if the Titans run all over the Packers because their run defense has been poor. And that's another reason I wouldn't want to face the 49ers because the Packers have had problems with them in the past. Uh, But if I had to pick a quarterback in the Super Bowl, it would just have to be Aaron Rodgers. So that that would just be my final thought. Packers. One more thing. Go ahead, Dylan. Uh, I just wanted to mention, I want to make a really, really hot take because I love to age poorly. Um, I feel bad for the Chiefs because I playing the Steelers in this game, I the, the Chiefs should be huge favorites, but it's hypothetically could be Big Ben's last playoffs. That just seems like some storyline stuff. We talked about the Aaron Rodgers. This feels like a movie. It's Big Ben. I mean, that's a legendary career. There's so many things around it. I mean, 
when when we've seen these players, like it's been known that this is their last ride. We saw with Peyton, we saw with Ray Lewis, crazy stuff happened. So the Steelers aren't good in my opinion, but that that's that wacky stuff that could happen. You never know that. I wouldn't want that juju, not Smith Schuster, but the the juju on on the other sideline. But just wanted to throw that in. Is it that uh, Buccaneers against Saints in the regular season sort of weirdness you kind of getting? Because maybe, yeah, <laughs> they just seem somehow don't have. Even Drew Brees isn't there. They still can't beat the Saints. <laughs> no, I agree. But I agree that Packers uh, run defense is not great, and I think that if it does come to Packers and the Titans in the Super Bowl. Packers are definitely going to have their hands full with Derrick Henry. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, Derrick Henry, I think, is going to be an X factor of this this playoffs in general. His health, whether he's 100% or not, is going to be a big factor in what, what the Titans can do. I know they've been great without him, but the, they become the most dangerous team if he's at 100%. Which, so we'll have to watch out for that. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you so much for all of our contributors for taking your time out of your day to to – get together and talk some football with us. We'll be sure to have more content for you guys like this in the future. Uh, reminder to follow tunnel vision sports on Instagram at underscore or at tunnel vision sports, underscore on Twitter at underscore TV sports and on Facebook and LinkedIn at tunnel vision sports and on the web at TV Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, have a great rest of your week and enjoy the NFL playoffs.